Hello, I'm Jeremy Allaire, and this is The Money Movement, a show where we explore the issues and ideas in this brave new world of digital currency and blockchains. So it was another uh, really busy week in crypto and stablecoin land. Uh, USDC crossed over $3 billion in circulation. Circle launched a major upgrade to uh, our suite of payments and treasury infrastructure for the internet. And there's been a lot of regulatory rumblings, if not regulatory heat. We're feeling it. We may be about to see a regulatory sledgehammer brought down on crypto in the United States by departing Treasury Secretary Mnuchin. So I want to dive into this. I want to break down what's going on and share some perspective on this. I'm going to start with some really basic stuff here. The first is just, you know, when we look at crypto and we look at blockchains, we're looking at, 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 at the core, a very, very fundamental innovation, an innovation that has, I believe, far reaching consequences, much more far reaching than even the web itself. And this innovation of public blockchains uh, represents fundamentally a new infrastructure layer for the internet. It's an infrastructure layer that allows for counterparties uh, around the world to have an incontrovertible set of record keeping, a, a way to transaction process or to conduct transactions and a way to deploy code. Um, these blockchains are like a new computing layer for the internet designed to accommodate uh, economic activity. And it's their public, open, permissionless nature, like the internet itself, which makes them so transformative. And the uses of this technology obviously start with things like the new forms of commodity money that underlie and secure these decentralized networks like Bitcoin and Ether. But the uses expand far, far beyond um, into really uh, every category of record keeping industry in the world, every dimension of finance, but increasingly with the improvements we're seeing in blockchain technology offer the potential to decentralize fundamental services like communications applications, social media applications. So many of the things that regulators are frankly looking to break up Facebook around, we can rebuild in a decentralized architecture uh, on, this, on this infrastructure. Now, a lot of the attention on this show and in the industry is around the role of crypto and stable coins uh, and the like in this sort of world of uh, value exchange. So a fundamental premise here is that on these public networks, on these permissionless networks, it's becoming possible to exchange value instantly, globally, the speed of the internet uh, with much higher levels of security, privacy, and resiliency versus fraud than our existing financial system can uh, present. On top of that underlying kind of commoditization of value exchange is this new layer, this layer of programmability, the ability to create contracts, the, the ability to create financial protocols that operate entirely on 
this, these public networks. We're seeing that in the growth of borrowing and lending markets on the internet, decentralized finance. We're seeing many of the building block primitives of how capital works in the world being built on this infrastructure. This creates an opportunity ultimately for billions of people to access financial services in ways that haven't been possible before. So a, a major, uh, you know, a, a major innovation. Now, also at the core of this infrastructure is the role that this technology can play in providing greater degrees of security, greater degrees of privacy uh, than have been made possible with the existing financial system. Um, underlying uh, uh, crypto is this concept of a, of a digital asset that is in fact a bearer asset. Uh, and that individuals uh, have the ability to hold these bearer assets independent of the state, non-sovereign stores of value, non-sovereign money. Um, this underlies the tremendous interest in Bitcoin, uh, even from, uh, I think now at this point, pretty much any major macro investor has a strong thesis that the dollar and other fiat currencies um, you know, have challenges and that uh, from a, a risk management perspective, holding these crypto bearer assets uh, as a hedge against uh, what's taking place in the world economy is, is not only rational, but potentially very desirable. So there's this underlying component uh, that exists here as well. On the whole, this represents public chains, these digital assets, the ability to have these public global protocols in my view, is just an enormous human innovation um, that ultimately allows for radically greater financial inclusion, greater economic integration of entities, businesses, and nation states even, breakthroughs in commerce and trade, business models, and frankly, the potential to return trillions of dollars in value that is captured by intermediary banks and other uh, ecosystem participants in the existing financial system to return that capital into productive use uh, for society. Now, we all know from the last 20 or 30 years that the open internet makes it easier for bad actors to operate. We know this, it's everywhere. Uh, you know, cyber attacks, data breaches, hackers, terrorists posting videos online, recruiting, and operating using encrypted messaging apps. Uh, you know, all of this is, is apparent and we know this. And at the same time, as a society, we are not willing to sacrifice the open internet on, the, on that basis alone. We are not willing to provide complete government uh, control and boundaries on the internet uh, just on the basis of bad actors operating. And in fact, the really key thing is that law enforcement, national security apparatus, governments have adapted themselves and have built better and better tools. Now, in this space, in this world of this new open internet of, of finance, we know the same thing exists. We know that bad actors are operating. There's lots of data about this. There's lots of firms that analyze this. And of course, the you know, firms that are intermediaries between the existing financial system and, and, and crypto and blockchain constantly work with law enforcement, constantly work to thwart that. 
that is part of our obligation. We also need to build new tools. We need to build new tools for an open internet of money. And collectively as an industry, it's incumbent on us to build better and better tools that meet those needs. But at the same time, preserving and protecting the innovation of public internet infrastructure and, and public blockchain infrastructure in terms of, of finance. So I think what we're seeing now is that this concern over criminal abuse is significant. And this is where the regulatory hammer is being focused. Um, but the approach, which is a, I believe a short-sighted simplistic approach based on what we're hearing is likely to do enormous damage to a highly innovative sector. Now, uh, for those that aren't familiar with this, all of this has sort of gradually bubbled up to the global level over the past years. Um, the, the body, the international body that is responsible for the rules around uh, anti-money laundering uh, on a global basis, the Financial Action Task Force in 2019 put in place new rules around firms in the digital currency ecosystem uh, needing to have controls in place to be able to uh, you know, collect appropriate information on customers, share that information appropriately. And that's led to a great deal of industry work that's going to roll out um, over the course of 2021, the so-called travel rule. Um, these issues have become even more exacerbated uh, and, and, and greater interest on these with the growth in Bitcoin, with the growth in stable coins like USDC, and with the proposed launch of Diem aka Libra. And that's led to uh, finance ministers uh, from the G7, uh, finance ministers and, and other you know, key stakeholders at the G20 to um, really look at, is there more that they want to do to regulate this? So the kind of question people naturally ask is, is why now? Why now is because crypto is going mainstream. Uh, Bitcoin is going mainstream. Uh, major technology firms are launching digital currency initiatives. We're seeing this industry grow up very fast. We're seeing uh, stable coins like USDC on the verge of being components, uh, mainstream components of what the payment system can be. When we look at why now, however, I think some of this is very specific to, uh, to agendas that exist. Um, I think when we look at uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, uh, and I've, I've listened to him speak on this topic uh, multiple times, he's got to be in his bonnet about self-sovereign digital assets. Uh, you know, he'll say Bitcoin is fine. He'll basically say it's fine, but he thinks it's stupid. But if you want to own it, you can go ahead and own it. He would essentially say stable coins are fine. If financial institutions are issuing these, they're fully reserved. But unhosted wallets, uh-uh. We cannot allow people to have secret Swiss bank accounts in their pocket. And those are his words. So this is the core issue. And I think in all of the work on anti-money laundering, countering terrorism finance, the industry has tried to preserve this interaction with self-hosted wallets. It's a core component. It's one of the foundational components of a public blockchain, of a permissionless blockchain. 
it's core to the innovation of smart contracts and decentralized finance, the ability for an individual to participate in a financial protocol on the public internet. And any regulatory approach to this, to this fact that uh, software uh, can exist that provides self-sovereign access to digital assets, uh, any regulatory approach to this uh, it seems is now likely to be delivered with a sledgehammer approach rather than what needs to be delivered, which is to consider this with precision tools. So this is exactly what appears to be happening as we speak. So earlier this fall, FinCEN, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, uh, which is a department uh, within the US Treasury Department, issued a new proposed interim rule now, this interim rule was about tightening up uh, travel rule uh, uh, definitions, in a sense, and, uh, and thresholds. So specifically, this interim rule was proposed, um, and it was essentially to say all crypto assets are included in the definitions of money, and lowering the thresholds for transactions where all of this personal identity information needs to be exchanged to 250 dollar transactions. And most crucially, it imposed it on domestic transactions, not just international transactions. Um, and this, uh, this specific interim rule went out for public comment. Um, and it's been deeply opposed by the industry. It places an unfair, uh, an unfair burden, an even larger burden on digital currency firms that go above and beyond even what domestic banks uh, must do. Now, Additionally, so we've had that, that proposed rule. And uh, additionally, in the background, uh, we've seen apparent coordination of the finance ministers of the G7 who met this week uh, and appeared to come to a consensus that they want to go further. And the kinds of restrictions uh, that Mnuchin has wanted to put in place are even tougher. And apparently, uh, these restrictions have been jammed into this new interim rule uh, around interactions with unhosted wallets. Now, this isn't final and we haven't seen it. And a lot of the uproar and a lot of the attention and the letters from Congress people, industry leaders and others are focused on this because if this happens, it has a massive impact. No one, again, no one has seen the language and it's being added at the last minute before this interim, uh, this interim rule uh, becomes law, and the consequences are enormous. In our view, however, jamming this in uh, at the last minute is a total breach of responsible conduct uh, with a period needed for congressional review, a period needed if, with these uh, refinements for public comment and review, something that is so core and fundamental to the core benefits of public blockchain infrastructure this kind of rule will undermine the premise and promise of financial inclusion and open access and radically limit the potential for innovation in decentralized finance. And frankly, this would continue to make the United States one of the least receptive countries in the world for the blockchain industry. So what's really at stake here? What's really going on for these various finance ministers? What are the real motivations here? Is this purely about hey, we've got to have tighter restrictions on, uh, on financial crimes enforcement, or is there something else? It's interesting. 
the public quote from the German finance minister, Olaf Scholz. He said, we must do everything possible to make sure the currency monopoly remains in the hands of states. So maybe this is about something else. Maybe this is about a attempt to um, stem the tide, to plug the hole in the dam around what's happening with digital assets in the world. Uh, the motivations are, are not squarely focused. There may be justifications, but clearly a completely different level of standard being applied to this industry. Uh, there appear to be other motivations. So this is in the same week that the Financial Times published a piece about the inevitable rise of Bitcoin in the face of profligate money creation. The piece asserts that the legitimate rise of Bitcoin uh, is happening as an alternative reserve currency. And it actually ends with an interesting note. Now, this was an opinion piece, uh, uh, but it ends with an interesting note. It says, and stepping in to regulate the digital currency boom, as some governments are already considering, may only accelerate this populist revolt. The point here is that individuals, investors, institutions want to build on and depend on digital currency and digital assets. And this challenges uh, the nature of governance in the financial system. And this is significant. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how people respond. Now, obviously, uh, th there's an incredible uh, amount at stake for, for our industry. And the question is ultimately, what should be done? And there are ways to solve for the issues and risks that are purportedly uh, uh, being considered here. In fact, the existing system of anti-money laundering and countering, the terrorism, countering terrorism finance is broken and doesn't work. We know the data. There's $2 trillion laundered per year with US dollars. Uh, by, you know, by the standards of, uh, of, of leading uh, you know, financial crimes uh, enforcement in agencies globally uh, and others estimate that 98% of money laundering in the existing banking system goes undetected. So clearly we don't have a system that works. But the solution to this problem, the ultimate solution to this problem lies within public blockchain infrastructure itself. The only way to address the, the, the deep financial crime risks are by building on open, public, tamper-resistant, uncensorable global systems of record keeping. And by building on that infrastructure, which is a breakthrough infrastructure, we can build identity protocols. We can build those identity protocols on the very same public blockchain infrastructure that we're building these new forms of money and payment systems. And identity protocols that are built on this can preserve privacy. And in fact, they can preserve privacy using crypto in a way that is far superior to the existing financial system, which is prone to an enormous amount of cyber attacks, data breaches, and, and violations of, of, of PII that's on a constant basis. It can do this in a way that allows individuals and, and institutions to use open networks, to use permissionless networks, to use decentralized finance services and protocols 
and this broad array of other decentralized services that are being built on blockchains, whether this is in the world of content or communications or record keeping in other forms. An identity protocol that is open, self-sovereign and decentralized can build a model of identity issuers. Identity issuers can be governments. Identity issuers can be financial institutions. And these identity issuers can offer identity attestations that allows Know Your Customer to become Know Your Transaction. And, and in so doing this, still keep the vast majority of the benefits of decentralized protocols while preserving privacy and still enabling uh, you know, law enforcement to do their job. And in fact, do it more safely, more securely, uh, without vast violations of privacy. So this is what the industry can do. And this is ultimately incumbent on the industry to do this. The government's not going to do this. Uh, and, and many of these things are only now technically becoming possible. We're only now seeing third generation blockchain infrastructures that can support this and support this at scale. But the answer here is to stop the sledgehammer before it slams down. Treasury needs to put on the brakes and give industry the time to build out these solutions. If there's heightened concern on unhosted wallets, rather than try to lock it down, uh, for now, identify that there's heightened risks. Demand that financial intermediaries, virtual asset service providers, operate with enhanced due diligence and more proactive monitoring for potential money laundering around interaction with these permissionless nodes. But at the same time, work constructively with the industry as the industry creates solutions that can weave identity onto the public internet, which by the way, also addresses broad regular, regulatory concerns that are around internet firms having too much power on our personal data, the concentration of power with consumer platforms like Facebook, rising identity theft. All these are things that can also be helped and addressed. This goes beyond the financial system into the integrity of the internet. So there's a lot more to come here and a lot more to talk about on the money movement. But now what we need is we need the industry loudly and we need policymakers, congresspeople, senators in every country in the world, because this is a G7 mandate and a G20 mandate. This will come down and it will come down hard as a sledgehammer. We need this industry to stand up and stop that from happening. Again, lots more to talk about. All right, we're gonna change gears completely here. Uh, and we're going to focus on something which I think is ultimately uh, a lot more exciting and uplifting. We had a, a, a couple of really great milestones in the last week that aren't just with this regulatory heat. They're about really cool things. Uh, USDC crossed 3 billion in circulation. It's handled over 230 billion in on-chain transactions. It's been really incredible growth. And on top of that, uh, Circle launched a major upgrade to its suite of payments and treasury infrastructure for the internet. I'm very, very pleased to be joined here today by Circle's head of growth and product marketing, Rachel Meyer, and Circle's VP of product, uh, Joao Reginato. Uh, welcome and huge congrats on the launch. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. All right, so we got a lot to talk about here. Um, there's a lot going on. Um, 
I want to maybe just just sort of start um, a little bit with, you know, what it is that Circle is sort of putting out in the world, as you as as you guys know, um, but as uh, others may not, we we've been rolling some of this out gradually over the last six months, uh, kind of culminating in this launch uh, uh, this week, and um, and and you know, Circle talks about you know payments and treasury infrastructure for the internet. Um, what does that mean, Rachel? Sure. Yeah, we've been focused on um, fostering growth for different types of global businesses um, that are solving different problems within payments, commerce, financial applications. And we're all doing that um, using digital dollar stable coins. We're essentially what we're doing when we're saying payments and tre treasury infrastructure for the internet is connecting those digital dollars like USDC with traditional finance. Um, like banks and cards and other types of, of traditional finance rails, but making that seamless for customers, letting them have access to the best infrastructure platform that connects those two worlds seamlessly. And over the course of 2020, as you said, we've rolled out major updates and components to this infrastructure and to this product suite from supporting different payment rails like card and debit, uh, from bank wires to obviously native USDC um, rails on different blockchains, market, marketplace features. And yesterday, uh, all of that culminated in a major upgrade uh, with new packaging and most importantly, new simple and transparent pricing for our customers. And I think it's important when we talk about payments and treasury infrastructure for the internet uh, there's a lot out there already talking about embedded finance, banking as a service, treasury as a service. And when you compare those to us, those are just nice wrappers on that old legacy infrastructure. We're doing it digital currency native. We're executing on that vision that digital currency becomes at the core of storing and managing money and value on the internet and facilitating those transactions and making that same user experience that a customer might expect from operating with a traditional infrastructure, but driving the major cost and speed benefits so that a customer can operate globally for all of their banking and treasury needs. I, I like that last bit that you talked about, which is, you know, they're sort of like this next generation of the fundamental nature of money, right? This actual digital money, actual digital bearer instruments, actual open infrastructure that's run on the internet. It's run entirely in, in that form. Um, and, and that becomes the core, right? Like that's, that's the new transaction core. That's the new core. And the, the, the legacy financial systems on the periphery um, in, in, in many ways. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I think, um, you know, there, there, as you noted, right, there, there's been, even just this last week, right, there have been different products that are launching Stripe Treasury. We've seen, uh, you know, cash management products, these kinds of things that are coming out that are built on the existing banking system. Mm -hmm. But the opportunity now is for, for creators, for developers to, to build on like, you know, I, it's a trite word, but like a more modern uh, way uh, of operating. Joao, as you think about what that really means, you know, what does that mean to a fintech? What does that mean to um, a company that is, you know, thinking about creating a, a financial product 
um, what are the what are the fundamental advantages that that come from building on that kind of core? Yeah, that, that's a that's a great question. Last last night I was uh, I was talking to a group of um, startup uh, founders in in Hong Kong in a in an accelerator program program, and we were talking exactly about that. Um, uh, the you know the advancements that I think companies like Circle is is pushing to the market and uh, and a lot of others are are making and uh, and now I think for perhaps for the first time we are seeing um, just as we have seen and you were touching on this on your on your on your monologue you know the what, what we have seen with the early stages of the internet and and layer upon layer of protocol advancement and uh, and sophistication of of abstractions right until you get to a point where where people have messaging and they have you know social media profiles and they, they don't really compare that anymore to is yeah. it this or that protocol it's all so far um, up in the stack for the first time I think we are we are bringing that to fintechs and to ultimately at every company that that might have an interest in as I call um, you know in their app or product have a dollar balance somewhere mm -hmm. right and, and this is so so broad the other day I was playing a joke on my phone how many of those apps I have on my phone how many apps on my phone I have a balance Mm -hmm. right the financial system and you end up finding that there are things in there that you you don't expect right there's the app that i use to uh to rent my my scooter in 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 around uh, massachusetts and you know uh, very very broader things like that i think i think the advantage now for these companies is that they have an alternative they have an alternative when it comes to to banking as a service and all these services that that are components or building blocks to to building those solutions and embedding that into their products or services they now they now have an option that is just just as sophisticated and abstracted from a, from a user experience for them uh, point of view right which means it's a, it's a good enough api it's the abstraction is at the right level it doesn't involve having to hire engineers that can code you know directly on the blockchain level and things like that but obviously then so so they can represent money store money transact but do that in a way that is connected to these public chains right that are completely interoperable uh, with a, a number of other services and that just keeps growing um global global by nature right uh, very cheap and very effective to transact on um, and that's that's a significant benefit. I think a lot of people still are not. Uh, what I mean, people, I mean entrepreneurs and and uh, and developers and and technologists building these products and services around the world. They are still not educated enough in how you now are almost on par with what you have in terms of quality of service with traditional uh, banking as a service and treasury as a service and payments. But uh, yeah. but it's it's pretty much there. It's a matter of when now. I think. And yeah. Not, not I mean, in some ways, right? The 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 scalability, the security, the efficiency with like just USDC on, on different blockchains, right? It's, it's like a dramatic improvement over existing settlement systems. And so, you know, really, I think if, if you're, you know, uh, an entrepreneur and, uh, or an established FinTech or, or a, a, a commerce firm or, or whatever, and you want to embed and integrate with how money moves on the internet, like this is the place to start. And then, you kind of you know integrate out to uh, to to the to the rest. Um, I guess um, Rachel, I I I know um, we've seen as we've kind of betaed and rolled things out and and before this kind of full launch, we've seen a lot of different use cases 
um, for building on this. Um, mm -hmm. You know, many, many different industries, you know, uh, just just talk for a minute about that. I mean, this is like a general infrastructure we see as as, as valuable to a lot of different types of of, of firms. But um, you know, just talk a little bit about what we've seen and what we think we're going to see. Yeah, yeah. So over this year, I mean, we've seen hundreds of companies and sign up to use our services all across the world, um, spanning many different use cases. I mean, these com customers are truly highly global in nature. Um, they span over 34 different regions of where they're doing business, where their customers are doing business. And 70% of our customers are actually outside of the United States. Um, the, the core use case that we saw in the beginning of the year um, are our crypto finance peers, our crypto native um, companies, both small and large building, you know, premier wallets, uh, focused on savings and lending and exchanges and digital collectible use cases. You know, these firms are looking to leverage us for accepting card payments, uh, accepting you know, bank wire payments with USDC as that settlement currency um, to be used in their own products. Um, they're using us for direct USDC storage and custody and liquidity. Um, and you know, our forthcoming high yield um, digital dollar account and APIs as well. We're seeing strong demand to complement that settlement and store value um, with high yield offerings for, for their own corporate balance sheets um, or offering in turn to their users as well. But even be beyond just crypto finance and just in traditional finance um, applications and, and companies, you know, we are catering to banks, uh, large, large banks who want to use USDC as a, another payment rail within their application. So just as they support an ACH or a, a SWIFT wire, you know, they want to be able to have a USDC payment option uh, for either a small business or an end consumer. Um, and FinTechs as well, spanning B2B payments, cross-border and international payment settlement, savings and lending, trade finance, treasury and brokerage management, digital securities, and we're just starting to see, you know, outside of, of finance, uh, more broadly traditional commerce industries, like a global freight operator that sees USDC as a superior method to, to paying their vendors and suppliers and, and, and you know, cross-border payment um, operations. Uh, you know, a, co a company we like to, to see a lot is, is gig economy workers. Uh, Arcade City uses us for accepting card payments um, for a new economic model for, for riders and drivers all around the world. They're using crypto because they know that that will uh, provide uh, you know, inherent benefits to getting paid in USDC to drivers and markets all over the world. And so I, I think we'll see you know, we talk about mainstream use cases outside of trading within the crypto industry a lot. It is happening and it's happening here at Circle and it's happening with USDC and it will continue to happen in 2021. Awesome. So um, I, want, I want to drill into a couple of details. Joao, um, just maybe briefly, and um, it, actually, if you want to pop up the site, that's totally cool too. Uh, uh, you know, just, you know, just talk about you know the the kind of capabilities that are there. This is this very full suite that we've rolled out, um, and um, I think uh, would uh, would be cool to. Uh, let me see if I need to give you 
special privileges here. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, oh, you got it. All right, cool. Excellent. Yeah, so that, <clears throat> so that's the, uh, that's the fresh and, and awesome website that we have right now at the moment. All, all of Circle products, they, they surround this core uh, piece of capability that we call the, the Circle account. Um, <clears throat> so I'll just pop in over there, which is, you know, as we say, as we call it, the, the new financial account for global businesses. This is a, this is a hybrid, um, you know, and, and provide, provides for businesses a hybrid, a hybrid product that obviously can navigate uh, fiat rails, but has its core component, uh, um, uh, sort of a, uh, a treasury management and a, almost like a banking solution for businesses where they can store uh, value and transact uh, across hybrid rails, as I mentioned, fiat and crypto. Um, it's the core component of our product suite now, and uh, and a lot of a lot of businesses have a ton of utility just from just from utilizing this, and and this will get even better as Rachel said as we as we launch in early 2021 our high yield um, account product that 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 is sort of bound to that, and then the Circle account product is uh, is um, is surrounded by by these API products, and I'll pop a couple of those. We have the, the flagship product on the API front, which is really our payments product, uh, which allows customers to basically accept payments from a broad set of rails, whether they are traditional like cards and bank transfers or or, or crypto like USCC payments and others in the future, but have this common API access across all of those and this common way of, of settling uh, payments and uh, and reconciling right, payments so like a, across all those. A single API to take a card payment, take a wire, take a USDC payment, uh, you know, so it's crypto payments and, and legacy rails and all of it just sort of settles into this core circle account as digital currency. Settles in core digital currency in a way that you don't need a, a, a bank account as is as it's typically required as an accessory, you know, settlement instrument and payout instrument for for when you when you hook up into these kinds of more traditional services. You have this account; it's pure digital currency native uh, with us, and obviously from then you can turn around. Typically, as you say, the the follow the money approach, right? Obviously, businesses are going to have a, a very different uh, set of needs for that for those funds, whether it is pay their employees, pay their suppliers. Um, and obviously they have access to doing that in digital currency form, which, which inherits all the benefits of that. Uh, so that, that's a tremendously interesting product that's getting a lot of uh, traction with our customer base. Um, payouts is the next thing that we talk about, and this is effectively the opposite direction, right? But um, obviously a lot of businesses have this core need, which is I need to pay out you know, several hundred, sometimes several hundred, uh, several thousand entities, whether they are individuals or businesses, whether it is ad hoc or, you know, in one batch at the end of a month or something like that. Um, and again, we support very similarly capabilities on the payments front, on the payouts front. So you can, again, issue payouts from your core circle account in digital currency form, whether it is over blockchain rails, you know, reaching anywhere where the internet goes, or whether it is also through traditional rails such as uh, wire transfers and things like right. that. So with the blockchain rails, right? So you know, you, you could push a payment to someone's you know, through a wire or an ACH transfer, which is sort of the traditional way. But you can also push a payment to a digital wallet through USDC, and and now, right, this is on uh, on Ethereum, on Algorand, on Solana, and, and really soon on Stellar, and, and very likely many other chains over time. So you sort of have these public, you know, public infrastructures to kind of distribute out, and and um, and, and which have that global reach. 
there, there's really there's really no no comparable um, in the world in terms of a product that does this right as you said that that has this this type of reach that we have with the sort of traditional fiat rails that we have support for and that we'll, we'll keep adding support for you can already reach uh, <clears throat> north of 80 countries but then it has all the quality attributes of, of fiat rails which we all know and there's a lot of restrictions there but you can you can also reach uh, your customers or your entities that you need to pay out to in USCC form, and 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 now as you mentioned, across already four blockchains, right? Which, which can vary in terms of quality attributes, can vary in terms of ecosystem. It really depends on the interest that you have, but but this is creating a tremendous amount of value in terms of the network that that is accessible. Right. And this sort of t- ties back to some of my earlier comments, right? There are in almost every country in the world there are wallet services, there are uh, exchange services to go from USDC into local currencies, local bank accounts. And so, but, you know, that exists, that that global network of connecting through the open internet to open standards and open protocols, it's growing fast and that exists. And so essentially a business can plug into that. They can plug into, you know, beaming a payment to Korea, to India, to Argentina, uh, to, to Mexico, you know, to, to, uh, you know, throughout Europe, all these places and, uh, and do that over the open internet. That's the profound part of this, which is, which is such a huge improvement over the, the existing legacy payment system. Mm-hmm. Not bound by banking hours 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah. I mean, it's what people come to expect from the internet. Like, oh no, I can't send a text message. My carriers turned off the internet. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> And, and again, it's it's a it's a it's an area that I think we are all very passionate about as well. T- touching again on something you were talking about on, on your monologue, right? You you can reach people with value that is useful and that has tremendous quality attributes when all they need to have is a phone and an internet connection, right? People talk a lot about serving the unbanked. This is actually you know putting infrastructure in place to allow businesses to build on top and effectively make that happen. So we're we're very passionate about that. Absolutely. Um, then and following uh, the digital dollar accounts product that's that's a tremendously useful product as well i was i was making i was talking about the joke that i that i made with somebody looking at my phone and all the apps that have a dollar balance on it this is essentially the kind of product that suits those types of applications right whether it is a peer-to-peer payments product that that an entrepreneur wants to build or whether it is um you know, a ride sharing service that somebody wants to build that is more innovative in nature. If you have those products, but you have the need to hold a balance for your consumers and to allow them to transact with each other on platform or, you know, in, in and out of the platform, this is the product for them. This is a product that allows you to, to create as many, as, as flexible as you want an infrastructure for, for sub accounts uh, that are connected to your circle account. You can then transfer funds between your circle account and all of those sub accounts across right. them, in and out on chain, right. across fiat rails. Uh, very, very powerful. This is that tre- treasury as a service. Here you go, mm-hmm. spin it up, customize it to your business model, have interoperability globally, and obviously through payments and payout, you know, connect to all the other places that you might want to connect to. Right, Absolutely. instead of it being tied to routing numbers, it's tied to yeah. blockchain address. Digital currency. Yeah, right. And then, uh, and again, connected to all these blockchains that USCC is already connected, right? Seamlessly, I mean, you can you can have a single account representing value for your customer that can receive USCC from Ethereum and send USCC to Solana on the Solana blockchain very seamlessly with the same set of APIs. 
Um, and then finally, marketplaces. Marketplaces is really an extensive an extension of the payments product for a more specific and more niche um, uh, segment, right? Which is the segment of particularly uh, global uh, marketplaces who who always have this at least uh, you know dual sided but sometimes multi sided element to it, where you have some some form of buyers and some sort of form of sellers in the marketplace. We you you typically combine a lot of the a lot of the capabilities of our other products in an offering that suits marketplaces because typically uh, these entities on a marketplace they need an account to hold value right in a marketplace as a buyer you might have an account to pay for the things you want to buy and as a seller you have an account to receive obviously from from your from the the, the goods or services that you're selling but you also need infrastructure to get pay-ins and payouts uh, in and out of the platform if you're interested in um, and, and so we offer this product, which is, again, unheard of in the market, I think, in terms of the ability to cover the geographies that we cover because of the reach of USCC across all the chains that are supported and, and this hybrid uh, ability to, to take payments and make payouts also uh, on across fiat uh, instruments. This is, this is really, really powerful. And we, we are seeing um, very good. Um, we have a, a, a couple of tremendous customers in this product already and uh, a lot of promise for 2021 for sure. Yeah, it's certainly that, that business model of these kind of multi-sided vertical commerce markets is, is, a, is a really powerful one. I know it's also one where in our, in our partnership with Visa, there's a lot of focus on, you know, how do you, how do, you do payouts uh, from these marketplaces uh, to all the diverse types of, of uh, creators, sellers, um, you know, uh, that are around the world. So some cool use cases there. Um, I want to just quickly turn to uh, to you, Rachel, and and actually, if you, if you want to put the site back up, actually, I think yeah. just to help clearly just communicate. Uh, now you, you got it. Clearly communicate. You know, you know, if 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 I'm a business, what do I do? Where do I start? And what does this cost? Is this you know straightforward? I think this is one of the most exciting things that we launched yesterday. Is is really trying to um, make this highly accessible to businesses and, and have them understand exactly uh, what's involved, uh, you know, uh, uh, financially. Uh, let me know if you need to yeah. be enabled for sharing. Joelle, Joelle, maybe can you share the pricing screen? I'm having some issues with my settings. But yeah, everything starts with that free circle account for, for businesses that Joelle walked through. Um, you know, we support opening a circle business account in over a hundred different countries. They can connect, convert, store, USDC, securely make payments, generate yield, convert in and out of banks and use those third generation blockchains. This is a free service for, for any size company. That's like custody, security, soon high yield, in and out from the banking system, multi-chain payments, all that's just like a, a free business account. Yep. And this, this will be the, the future digital dollar banking account that you know, a company won't have to think twice about how to, how to open and, and, and manage their, their funds and operations. Right. Uh, we soon. imagine every internet business in the world ought to have an account like this probably. Yes. And then uh, on top of that, this is their financial infrastructure home. So if they decided to e either you know, improve upon their treasury operations or they want to start building apps and services and websites that deal with money. Um, we've exposed API services built for automation, customization, and integration for any kind that is connected to their Circle account for use case for money. 
Um, these API services are you know, available with subscription plans and usage fees that are super highly competitive. Uh, payments, you know, any business can accept traditional forms of payments from cards, ACH, wire transfers, also USDC. They settle directly to USDC as in your circle account. And that starts at $1,000 per month. Per month. Um, and you can scale with us as you grow. Uh, if you have high volume or need customization for different regions, um, then you can talk to our sales team and we'll, we'll work with you on an enterprise plan. Uh, similarly, if you go to our payouts, what Joe was just talking about, where you can automate payouts to customers, partners, suppliers, and use case, again, through traditional means like bank wires, um, that starts at $250 a month. Um, so it's you know, very affordable, competitive, transparent. Um, you know, key value for us was to be able to you know, any single company be connect the dots to what their need is and know this is the product for me and this is how much it's gonna cost, um, you know, similarly with our values. Um, on digital dollar accounts, uh, this treasury infrastructure for any e-commerce uh, system that's significantly flexible um, and there's different types of customers and use cases. And with our marketplace product, uh, making it really crystal clear that you can get access to our payments product, our payouts product, um, but then for the additional features that are built for those specific marketplaces that are facilitating transactions between buyers and sellers, um, there's additional um, you know, small fee on top of that. And then embedded across all of these uh, will be high yield accounts in 2021, and those will be included in their subscriptions as well. That's awesome. Um, so that, and obviously there's, you know, there's sort of the UX dashboards and sort of things that are available to people as well. Um, uh, wh while we're up here, and, and this may be the last thing to cover, like, as is very clear, like, you know, the concept here is you might have an account, but you're going to have people building apps on this. Like you want to, you want to automate things, integrate things. This is developer led, right? So, you know, developers, web application developers and, and, and others can like really build this into uh, what you're doing with your business. And so the developer focus is really big. Maybe uh, I'll just take a quick peek, peek at the developer section and, and what, what, that what that looks like if, if, if you have a developer on your team, what do they need to know? Yeah, we are, we are all developers. I think even Rachel and I, you know, in our I was life, a, we're developers. A, also developers. Jeremy. Wow. <laughs> well, I heard about that. I haven't seen the proof, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I have, I have personally coded on, on code fusion, so I can attest to that. Um, we, we are all, we have, we have, we always had a, a strong development and, and software engineering DNA at circle. Right. So uh, we, we, we are, heavy consumers of API. So when it came to developing these products, we, we always take a, a developer first mentality. That, that I think surfaces in the way that we uh, allow developers to, to experiment with all of this infrastructure. So we have a, we have a sandbox environment that is you know, openly available for everyone to, to try. If you, don't, if you are a developer yourself, you're not too fond of you know, contacting sales and going through all of that. Um, you don't need to talk to anyone. You can go straight to the sandbox environment. You can um, you know, obtain an API key. All, all we need is your email address, obviously, to communicate with you. But we give you access to the sandbox environment, which is like for like with uh, with the infrastructure that we have on the live environments. Uh, 
exactly exactly the same uh, capabilities, exactly the same behavior. And it's actually connected to test nets across all of the blockchains where USCC is, is supported. So on Ethereum, on Algorand, on, on, and soon on Solana and, uh, and Stellar, uh, we always connect to, to test nets. Uh, so we, we like to say that there is no better way now to build a USC faucet on, on all of these blockchains than to actually connect to our sandbox environment and utilizing our APIs. Um, but you can, you can basically understand exactly how the services are going to work for you, um, you know, on the first 15 minutes of, of utilizing our products. And then the second part outside of the, uh, outside of the sandbox environment is obviously our, our API documentation, which we put a lot of effort on. There's, there's an extensive set of, you know, over 50 guides in there. Uh, walking people through taking their first payment, making their first transfer, you know, storing their first amount of value, and um, and and obviously then the, the subsequent details of each product. There's a lot of content in there, but certainly enough for and we get very good feedback on this from from developers on our platform. Certainly enough for people to get going on the yeah. on their first uh, reach with it. Yeah, I mean, so the core message here is. Um... You know, you know, almost any business can can sign up for a Circle account and get get immediate kind of benefits on a first party basis for for what they're doing. They can then immediately get their developers to to get access to our sandbox. In fact, developers can get access to the sandbox even without having the Circle account open. But um, but but nonetheless, like developers can get in and actually build out whatever applications that they can dream up. Um, in these areas without even needing to contact our sales organization. And then when they're ready, they know what the pricing is, they know what it's going to be. They can, you know, get signed up and get launched in production and, uh, and go, um, which is, which is pretty awesome. Well, this is, uh, this is awesome. I'm really glad we could kind of walk through this. I'm, I'm really excited for, for everything that, you know, you guys have worked on and the rest of the circle team and just, uh, you know, thanks so much for joining on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So uh, a big week, a big week for Circle, a big week for USDC, a big week happening for our industry as we speak. We're going to see what goes down in the next seven days, and we'll have surely a lot more to talk about here. So until next time, stay well, stay safe, and stay informed. Thank you.